Good morning, Fam Church. Welcome. It's, we are excited that all of you are here this morning. You guys don't seem excited to be here. I'm looking out at faces that are staring back at me without smiles, that are sad, that are down, that are depressed. Why are you sad and down and depressed? Everybody, give me your biggest smile on the count of three. One, two, three. Okay. That was okay. That was okay. But we're excited that you are here, Fam Church. We are here to help lead people of all backgrounds to become fully devoted followers of Jesus. That's what we're here for. We're here to reach this community. We're here to meet, reach Mulberry with the hope that is found in Jesus. And if you're here with us for the first time this morning, we're excited that you are with us, and we hope that you've experienced God in a new and a fresh and an amazing way. And if, if you're here for the very first time, if this is your first time coming in the doors of the church, we want to especially welcome you. If you're saying yourself, oh man, I don't really belong here because I've got doubts, I've got questions, I'm not even sure if I believe in God. Can I tell you, we're glad that you're here because many of us have doubts as well, but yet we're still here worshiping and praising God, and I'm glad, we're glad that you took a risk to be here with us today. And so the struggle for me this week was what do I speak on? Because some of you know, if you're regulars here at Fam Church, I'm just coming back from vacation. And my, my plan was I was going to finish this message before I left on vacation so I could just get back and get into cruise control and, and give the message. Well, the week before vacation was a very hectic week. There were so many things going on, and, and I just didn't get it done. And of course, I did not touch it on vacation. I don't even think I, I turned my computer on to go into my budget to make sure that I was still on budget for the month for our spending. That's all I did with our computer. And so I didn't even think about the, the message for this morning. And so as I was driving back Wednesday, if anybody needs something to torture them, drive from Minneapolis, Minnesota to, to Mulberry, Florida, nonstop, okay? 23 hours and 45 minutes in a car. We stopped for gas, we stopped for food. I was a man on a mission, but I needed to get home. And I don't know, I'm getting too old to do that again. However... Some good news, uh, yesterday I pulled up here to the church and the Tico truck was here and I was like, why is Tico here? And so I pulled up and I like, how's it going? He's like, hey, can you do me a favor? Can you turn on the air conditioners and stuff so I can get a load measurement just to make sure your meter's working right? I said, okay, and he says to me, are you the pastor? I said, yeah, you're awfully young to be a pastor. And so I was like, yes, somebody thinks I'm young. But anyway, and so I'm struggling to talk, think, I was thinking about, you know, on my drive back, what do I talk about this morning when I get back? What does God have to say to the church? And, and I remembered one time when I was on vacation, we went to this church, it was a big church, it was a mega church, uh, for, and uh, the pastor there had just gotten off of vacation, and what the pastor's message on that, that morning was how awesome his vacation was. And I thought to myself, maybe I should do a how awesome my vacation was message, but I remember leaving that day saying to myself, how does this apply to my life? And I felt like a horrible person because he spent a week in New York City with his family and I'm like, there's no way I can afford to take my family to New York City for a week. And so I'm like, no, I don't want to do that to you guys because I don't want you to walk away from here this morning saying, how does that apply to my life? And why am I so terrible that I can't take a vacation like that? Although our vacation, I got to tell you, I'm surprised when looking at our budget, we did this low budget. That was really exciting. But so I struggled about this. I thought about this. What is God wanting to say? And then I said to myself, hey, why don't I talk about hearing from God and the struggle on getting a word from God? And so that's what we're going to talk about this morning. And so I want to start with a question. Have you ever ha had a hard time hearing someone? 
Yeah. Like, have you ever gotten one of those phone calls on your cell phone? And you're, you pick up the phone and you're talking and all you hear on the other end is, have you gotten those phone calls? I call those T-Mobile calls because usually the person who's making the call to me has T-Mobile, okay? And I'm sorry if you've got T-Mobile, but I struggle with understanding when people call me with T-Mobile. And when the conversation goes like that, it's usually I'll deal with it for a minute, and then if it keeps going, I'll just hang up. They'll call back, and if it starts again, I just hang up. I get very frustrated. I can't deal with conversations like that that I just can't understand, you know? And uh, some of us, though, we don't understand conversations that we have with people even face-to-face, right? Like some of you, your supervisor comes to talk to you about something at work. Does it sound like they're going wah, 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 wah? You just can't understand what they're saying. Or maybe some of the teenagers in the room, when your parents talk to you, that's what you hear. You know, your mom says, you say, Mom, I'm going someplace and I'll be home at midnight. And mom says, no, you're going to be home earlier than that. But instead of hearing, no, you're going to be home earlier than that, you hear someone speaking Chinese, right? We just don't understand it. I mean, when I was a teen, I struggled with this all the time. My mom would say something. I just couldn't understand. I just couldn't comprehend it. I always do whatever she said not to do. If she said, be home at 11, I came home at 12. If she said, you can't go, I'd go anyway. Okay? And and that's just the way. We struggle with hearing things even when we're face-to-face with somebody. We have a, a hard time understanding what somebody says. And I know that many people feel the same way about God and hearing from and understanding what God is saying. They feel like they cannot understand what he says, or they do not know when he was speaking. One time, uh, when we were living in Boston, I was riding the subway home from downtown Boston, and um, when you ride public transportation, there's some strange people that you run into on public transportation, if anybody's ever ridden public transportation. And I'm, I'm not saying this guy was strange, but it was a very different sort of ride. My, I think even Dana was with me, and we got on this train in downtown Boston, and there was this guy sitting in the back of the car that we were in, and he had his Bible in his hand. And he was sitting there in the back of the train with his Bible open, and he was looking at it, and he was going, Speak, Lord, for your servant is listening. He didn't just say it once. He just didn't say it twice. He said it the whole time we were on this train. He was yelling at his Bible. He was speaking at his Bible very loudly. Speak, Lord, for your servant is listening. He wanted to hear a word from God. And I think that many of us can relate to that heart, can relate to what he was going through in that situation when he was looking and he was crying out and he was saying, God, come and speak. I'm listening. I just need to hear a word from you. Now, one thing I will say is that the longer you walk with Jesus, it does get easier to hear a word from God. But no matter how long you walk with him, sometimes there's just going to be times where you're going to stop and you're going to look and you're going to say, God, you know what? I just don't know what you're saying. I can't hear from you. I need to hear from you now. But nothing seems to be coming. And some people think that, you know, because I'm a pastor, that I have some sort of special connection, you know, that I've got like God's cell phone number or, you know, I've got him as friends on Facebook. I've got his email address or his fax number or maybe his mailing address. And I remember one girl in one of our youth ministries, this was in Boston again. There's a lot of strange people, I guess, in Boston. I don't know. But she she said, we lived in an apartment inside the church and uh, she thought that was awesome, okay? It wasn't awesome. Uh, It was terrible. 
um, living in the church 24-7 was not good, but she thought that because I lived in the church, that it was just like heaven on earth. I mean, if you think rats in your apartment, people knocking on your door at all hours of the night, uh, people stealing stuff is good, is like heaven, okay, but that's the way it was living in there, but she was convinced that Dana and I had life, we had an extra blessing in our life because we were living in the church because God could talk to us, you know, better than he could talk to anyone else, but it doesn't work that way. You can't live in the church and be closer to God. It's not because of your role in life and the place that God has put you that makes you closer to him. I struggle to hear from God sometimes just as much as everyone else does. It's not something that's a given. It's not something that's just handed to me. And so this morning, we're going to look at a text, and hopefully it will help all of us get better at understanding when and how God is speaking, so that we're able to act when God is talking, rather than always wondering whether or not God is there at all. And so the section of the Bible we're going to look at this morning is a parable, and it's found in the book of Luke. We're going to be in Luke chapter 8, verses 4 through 8. Luke, it's the third book of the New Testament. You've got Matthew, you've got Mark, you've got Luke. Um, And if you know where that's at, you're welcome to turn there. If you don't know where that's at, we're going to have it on the screen behind me so that you can follow it along, uh, follow along with it. But uh, this is what the text says. It says, well, a large crowd was gathering, and people were coming to Jesus from town after town. He told this parable. A farmer went out to sow his seed. As he was scattering the seed, some fell along the path. It was trampled on, and the birds ate it up. Some fell on rocky rocky ground, and when it came up, the plants withered because they had no moisture. Other seed fell among the thorns, which grew up, and it choked out the plants. Still other seed fell on good soil. It came up and yielded a crop a hundred times more than what was sown. When he said this, he called out, whoever has ears to hear, let him hear. And, and before we dive into this, I, I do want to say that if we were to continue to read through verse 15, Jesus does interpret this parable. And what he's talking about here is specifically those hearing the word of God for salvation, okay? And so that's what Jesus is talking about. He's saying, hey, sometimes the word is going to come for salvation and people are going to hear it. Some people are not going to hear it. Some people are going to have hard ground. Some people are going to have it choked out. But it also, I think, applies to our lives in general and our walk with God and being able to hear from God. Okay, because, because it, it, there, there's just a bigger application than the one specifically that Jesus points to in the text. And so, and so let's go into this. And first of all, let's talk about God talking to us. Because if you're new to church and if you're new to Jesus and you hear the word God talking to you, that probably brings all sort of weird, creepy, and strange ideas into your brain, doesn't it? You know, you begin to wonder, "Uh uh-oh, he's going to talk about talking to God. Is he going to break out one of those aluminum foil hats and place them on his head, you know, in hopes to get into better contact with God? Are we going to break out some candles, burn some incense, smoke a little marijuana to get in contact with God? You know, these are the kind of things I think that stop start popping into people's minds. And if you go to your work or you go to your school, you go to your neighborhood and you tell people, I heard from God, generally people are going to look at you and say, what? You're a little crazy, right? I mean, it's just not something that's common in our society. And what people think of then when they think of hearing from God is they'll think of some horror movie, like a voice whispering to you. You know, you've seen those movies where a voice comes and says, you know, says your name, says somebody's name really creepily and starts telling them what to do. I think that's what people think when they think God's speaking to them. There's this audible voice just booms out in the middle of the room and calls your name and says, do this. 
No, when we're talking about God speaking to us, that's not what we're talking about. We're not talking about God booming out in an audible voice. We're just talking about something on the inside of us, something in our heart, something in our mind that when, when it's said, when it's, when it's like whispered into us, we, we know that it's God and we know it's something that God is saying to us. We know that it is something that God is telling us to do, that God is telling us to get involved in, that God is telling us to make a decision between. That's what we're talking about when we say God is speaking to us. It's nothing spooky or weird. It's just this inner sense that God is trying to tell us something. And hearing from God, hearing what God wants to tell us, is really related to this parable we just read in two ways. The first way is the word of God and its connection to the seed in there. See, Jesus says that the seed that was sprinkled was the word of God. And one of the first things that we need to realize is that the primary, the foremost, the first way that God will usually speak to us and speak into our lives is through the Word, through the Bible, through the things that are written down in the Scripture. 80% of the things that we need to know in our life are found in that book, and we can go to that book, and we can go through it, and we can find those things and apply them to our lives. And so the first step in anyone's life when it comes to hearing from God is taking time to study and know this word. And you may wonder, well, how can I do that? Well, I'm going to give you a simple formula that will help you to study the word of God and apply it to your lives. How many of you in this room use soap? A few of you do. Well, that's good. Please take note of those who raise their hands, and you might want to sit next to them next Sunday. But yeah, we use soap, right? We, we shower in the morning. Everybody showered this morning, right? Okay, we shower and we use soap or we go to the bathroom and we get up and we go to the sink and we use soap and we wash our hands, right? And, uh, and so we use soap. Well, there's soap that we can use to study the Bible. What do I mean by that? We take our Bible into the shower and lather up with it? No. The four letters of soap stand for four things. And so you take this word soap, the first, word, the first letter S. What does the letter S stand for? Scripture. You take a verse, find a verse, God's got a verse, you take that verse and then the O stands for observe what's in the verse. You look at that verse, you read it, you see what's there and then you write it down. What what, What are you seeing there? Is this thing about God's love? Is it talking about how great, how big, how grand, how wide God's love is? Then you write that down and then the A stands for application. We take what we, uh, what we observed in the scripture and we apply it to our lives. What is God saying to me through this, what I've observed here in this text? And then finally P is prayer. We take what we've observed and what we've applied and we make it into a prayer and we just pray about what's there, what God has shown us. And you know what? If you take this and you take a notebook and you take that and you just write these out on occasion, the next thing you know after six months, eight months, a year, you're going to have a notebook full of things that God has spoken to you. I've got several of them in my office. And if you're, if you're needing clarification on those, you can email me at pastorbrian at myfamchurch.com and, uh, and I'll help you with that. But, but that's just a simple way for us to take this word and, and hear what God is speaking to us through the word that he has given us. Then the second step in hearing from God goes into now the, 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 uh, the bones here of this scripture that we read. And it has to do with the type of soils that we saw, that we read. 
the kind of soil that we have. What does that mean? When we talk about the soils, we are talking about the receptivity of our heart and mind to what God wants to say to us. See, all of us are open and closed to things that Jesus wants to say to us. I think I told the story in here before, but uh, we had a youth uh, in one of our youth ministries who he felt God was speaking to him. He felt God was saying something to him in regards to the direction he was supposed to go in his life. He felt like God was telling him, you know what, I want you to go into ministry. Well, see, he had some other ideas in his head about what he wanted his life to look like. Okay, he wanted to be able to afford certain things. He wanted to be able to live his life a certain way. And he also had a reputation that he wanted to maintain amongst his friends. And so what did he do? He chose not to go into ministry because he didn't want to compromise his reputation. He didn't want to compromise his lifestyle. He didn't want to compromise the things that he wanted out of life. And see, that's a picture of a soil there. He had a soil there, and the word of God came to it, and it sat on that. The seed sat on that, and he responded to that word. And that's what we're talking about. When I talk about soil, and this parable says there are four types of soil, four types of ground that each of us have when it comes to hearing from God. And depending upon where our hearts and minds are at, where our, where our ground is at, that will determine our ability to hear from God. And the first soil here is this hard soil. And, and this whole concept can, kind of, can be kind of hard for us to understand today because we don't live in a society that revolves around farming. You know, we don't farm these days. I don't think any of you own a massive farm if anybody does, I mean, you could, uh, I could be wrong, but most of us don't own farms. And, and see, how they farm today is they've got these giant tractors with, with all this equipment that they can haul behind. It doesn't matter how hard the ground is, they've got giant tools that can just tear up that ground. And they've got, they've got seed spreaders that will spread the seed for them. And they've got all of the tools and instruments. Well, back in the day when Jesus lived, it wasn't like that. See, if you came to a ground and that ground was hard to work, that was your problem. You had to work it by hand. You had to take a garden hoe and start digging and hoeing up all of the, the places that you wanted to plant your seed. And, and, you know, if the ground was so hard that you could only put it in that far, you could only dig that thing into the ground that far and pull it up, that's all you could do. You could do as much as your body and your physical strength allowed you to do. And so what would happen is if the ground was really hard and the seeds were thrown on it, it was just kind of more meals for birds than it actually turned out to be crops. And what they also had to do in these fields was they had to leave rows to walk on in between each one of the rows of tilled soil where they planted their crops. And, and these, these, these areas that they walked on, as they continued to walk on them day after day after day after day, because that's how they got out there and watered their crops. That's how they got out there and weeded their crops. That's how they got out there and harvested their crops. That's how they got out there and did everything with their crops. As they walked on this day after day after day, it just got harder and harder and harder and harder. So pretty soon it was just rock hard and then you're going out there and you're scattering seeds along and it's going to hit that hard spot and it's going to sit there and birds are going to come and eat it. And that's just the way it was. And many of us, I think, have areas of our life that are like that. When it comes to hearing from God, certain areas of our life are like the hard path that we allow nothing to penetrate it. God throws words our way. God tries to talk to us, and we don't want to hear it. So we just let it sit there on the surface. And one of the biggest areas that I see this happen in many believers' lives is when you mention the word money and talking about money. 
You know, so many people will say, man, I follow Jesus, I love Jesus, but you say anything about, about how God has asked us to handle our finances and they want nothing to do with it. They reject that out of hand. I mean, it's like LeBron James rejected Curry in game seven of the NBA Finals. Just like... Irving sets for three. Short, rebound, knocked out of Shepard's hands, Iguodala. Okay. Curry drives again. Rejected. That's what people do with that word. Finances... Get that out of here. And then, you know, they get the, their game face on and they go all crazy with it. But, but that's what, you know, that's, that's, that's what hard soil looks like. The person has a hard path in their life. The seed is thrown. The opportunity comes to hear from God. And as soon as it hits him, it bounces off the hard ground. Then here comes the birds, or sometimes them, just dusting it off to make sure that those seeds that were sown don't go down any further. So what closes people's minds? What causes people to not be open to what God wants to say to them? Well, I think there are three things that make people have these hard, form these hard sorts of soils. The first thing that can cause closed, uh, a hard soil is pride. It's the attitude that says, you know what, I don't really need God. I don't need God to help me in my life. I don't need God to help me in my marriage. I don't need God to help me with my family. I don't need God to help me anywhere. I got this. I got it all under control. God, you can just, as long as, God, just make sure that I'm healthy. God, make sure that I'm financially blessed. And uh, God, make sure that everything goes good with my family. And then you can just leave me alone. I can do my own thing because I don't need any of your other stuff, God. And it creates a path. It creates a path of pride that is hard, that's a hard surface to walk on. You know, God could move and work and speak to that situation morning till night, and it takes a lot to actually break in, to break through, to, to break into that person's life and, and dig up that ground. They create a hard path with the pride that doesn't allow God's word to take any sort of root. The second thing that can cause a closed mind is fear. Many people fear what God may say to them. They fear that he may tell them they need to stop doing something that they want to do, even though they know it's not something they should be doing. You know, like let's say God comes and he says, you know, I know you really enjoy jumping off buildings and hitting your head on asphalt, but that's a really bad plan for your life. If you continue to do that, things are not going to go well. But I say, man, but it feels so good when my skull makes contact with that rock hard surface and I just can't stop doing it, God. We're fearful. We're fearful because we're afraid. Something that we like, something that we enjoy, we may have to stop doing. Or it could be that when Jesus is calling them to a deeper place with him, there's fear there of what that will mean for their life. They're afraid that it's going to mean that they're going to have to make changes. They're afraid that it'll mean that they can't do what they want when they want, but they'll have to put Jesus in the center of their decision-making they're afraid of the sacrifices they will have to make, so their soil is hard because they fear what God may say to them. Then a third thing that can cause people to have hard soil is anger. They are angry at God because what's happened to them in life. They're angry because they wanted to be born a squirrel and God created them a human being. They're, they're angry because they got their degree in women's studies and nobody's demanding anybody with a degree in women's studies, so the only place they can get a job is at Arby's, you know, or... They're mad because they made some bad financial decisions and it's taking a long time to dig out of those decisions. So they could be mad at God because 
they were abused when they were young, or maybe they are mad at God because they lost someone they loved, and they felt like God did nothing to intervene in that situation. And it brings anger, and it brings a hard path, and it brings a place where we say, you know what, God? I don't want anything to do with you because of the things that I've experienced, because of the things that I've gone through. And I want to say, whatever it is that has caused your soil to be hard towards what God wants to say, let him come and soften that soil. Let him come and move and work in your situation to soften that soil up so that you can hear what God wants to say to you. And you're saying, well, but my soil is hard for my own protection. I need to be kept safe. Can I tell you that God has your ultimate good in mind? I know that you may think you're protecting yourself, but God's plans and God's purposes that he has for you are better than what you think you want. And I know the challenge is how do we do that? Well, we soften up our soil one step at a time. We take little steps. God says something to us, and we take a little step of faith. And we say, okay, God, I'm going to trust you in this. We don't have to take a huge step of faith like this. We can just take a small step of faith. And as we take that small step, that soil starts to loosen up. And then we're in a position again to take another small step. And that soil loosens up a little more. And then we take another small step and it loosens up more. And pretty soon, we've taken many small steps that have gotten us now this far. And God has been able to come in and soften that hard ground so that we can hear what he is saying. The second soil is the soil that fell on the rocky place. It's found in uh, chapter 8, verse 6. It says that these plants grew up, but almost as soon as they grew up, it died because it had no water. See, water is what feeds a plant. I think all of us know that. It cannot survive without it. Even cactuses need water once in a while in order to to get what they need. But there are many believers who want a word from God, but they will do nothing to feed it. Yes, there are things that we need to take in in our lives in order to be a healthy follower of Jesus. As a matter of fact, there are five things that we need as followers of Jesus to be engaged in and be participating in in order to be, in order to have health, in order to avoid the rocky soil, in order to avoid not taking in the nutrients we need so that we wither and die. These five things are found in the book of Acts in chapter 2, 46 and 47. You don't have to turn there, but you're welcome to. I'm just going to read it really quickly, and this is what it says. It says, Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. See, the five things that are in this text are worship, discipleship, evangelism, fellowship, and ministry. We need to be involved in regular worship. The text says they were at the temple every day praising God. Every day. All we ask is one day a week. But they, every day they engaged in worship. It also says every day They engaged in the disciples' teaching. They engaged in discipleship. They engaged in growing in what it means to follow Jesus. 
They were also evangelistic. They were out telling people about Jesus. Listen, if you're a follower of Jesus, the best thing that's ever happened in your life should be your salvation from G- by Jesus from your sin. It should be. If it's not, if you're saying, well, it's the second best thing, it's the third best thing, there's a problem. Because it should be the best thing that has happened in your life. And if it's the best thing that's happened in your life, we should be excited about it. We should want to tell people about it. I mean, I see sometimes, Ashley, I'm going to put you on the spot, but sometimes I see your Facebook post and she's out there talking about Jesus and what Jesus has done for her and it gets me excited looking at her stuff. You know? Jesus has done things and we should be excited and we should be wanting to tell people about it. Then fellowship. We need to spend time together. It's for our benefit. And I'm concerned because too many of us have our church Sunday and then we're disconnected from everyone else from the church the rest of the week. We're fam church. We're supposed to be a family. We need to connect. We need to spend time together. And then finally, ministry. To be healthy spiritually, we need to be involved in ministry, making a difference in people's lives. See, that's the water that feeds us. And if we're not maintaining that, if we're not engaging in all of those areas, not just the ones that we like or we are comfortable with, we are on rocky soil that will not provide what we need in order to grow. Then if the worship team could come on back up. In the third soil, what grows there is thorns. See, these thorns choked out the good seed. It tells us that in 8, 7. What's that? The thorns are things in our life that keep us from hearing from God. I think we can all think of things that choke out our life and keep us from hearing God's voice. I mean, that's a story of my life half the time. Too many other things going on that keep me too busy to hear from God. God will call, and the game will be on. Not right now, God. The game is on. So after the game's over, he calls, and it's like, well, not right now, God. And I'm out shoe shopping. Got to get me some new shoes. Got to look good, right? Then God will call back a little bit later after we get back from shoe shopping. Well, God, not right now. It's time for me to chill. I need some chill time. I need some me time. I need some downtime. And God will call in the evening, and it's like, bro, I'm tired, man. It's been a long day. And we miss out. We allow these thorns to come over our life as he keeps talking to us. And every time he talks to us, we've got an excuse, a reason why we don't have the time to listen what he has to say. He is speaking. He knows that we need to hear what he has to say. But we let all these other things around us choke God out, push him to the side, And if we really want to hear from God, but we really can't, maybe we need to look and see if we've allowed thorns to grow up in our life. And maybe it's time to do a little beating and remove some of the thorns that have grown up, that are choking us out and keeping us from the word of God. So if we really want to hear God's voice, it tells us that we need to be in the good soil. It says we need to be in the good soil. Have you ever tried to maintain good soil in a garden? 
It's not like you just go out there and put some dirt in the ground and then just walk away and leave it. Good soil has to be worked and it has to be maintained. It needs fertilizer. It needs constant turning over. It needs constant refreshing. It needs stuff done to it all the time. See, our salvation and becoming everything who God has called us to be involves us putting in work. This is what it says in Philippians 12:2. This is from the New Living Translation. It says, Dear friends, you always followed my instructions when I was with you and now I am away. It is even more important. Work hard to show the results of your salvation, obeying God with deep reverence and fear. So we need to work it out. We need to work out our salvation. We need to look at our soil, look at where we are planted at, and we need to say, what is my soil like? Am I allowing weeds to grow up in my soil, thorns to grow up in my soil that are choking things out? Am I allowing rocks to come in? Have I gotten away from, you know, some of the aspects of fellowship and worship and evangelism and discipleship and ministry? Have I pulled out of ministry? Have I decided I don't need any more discipleship because God has me where I want to be? If we decide that, we're getting into the rocky soil and we need to make a decision to make some changes to get back out of the rocky soil to get the moisture we need. And if our soil is hard, And we need to just see what it is that's caused our soil to be hard and do what we can to get past that. To take those small steps of faith that soften that soil so that God can speak and move and work in us.